Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgan Dorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at Season 5, Episode 12, My Night at Daria's, in which Tom accidentally falls asleep in Daria's room, and it sparks a rumor that the two of them have started sleeping together. You know... And not just sleeping together, um, <laughs> which in turn <laughs> pressures Daria into thinking maybe she and Tom should start sleeping together, sleeping together. <laughs> um, the episode aired on June 18th, 2001, and it was written by Peggy Nichol. This isn't the last we'll hear from Nichol. She was a writing credit on, or she has a writing credit on the second Daria movie, but it's... Uh, her 10th and final standard episode. The first eight mostly occupy the bottom half of our list with several kicking around near the very bottom, but then she wrote Fire, which currently sits at number seven. That said, her most recent episode was the deeply problematic Fat Like Me, so, you know, who the hell knows? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess this could go anywhere. And, and hey, spoiler, this could go anywhere. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and many places. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. All right. So I think we'll just go ahead and get into our beat by beat. Let's do it. So we open on night at the Morgendorfer residence, where Tom and Daria are reading in the living room. Neither is particularly happy with their reading materials, but that's okay because in walks Quinn talking about her awful date. Daria and Tom quickly vacate the premises, while Quinn decides to just call Tiffany. I uh, just want to note here that Tom is reading uh, Immanuel Kant's uh, Critique of Pure Reasoning, except that's not the title of a Kant book. Uh, uh, critique of Pure Reason is, but not reasoning. And yes, that's pedantic, but we've been doing this for three years, so you should probably be used to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I like this scene because Tom and Daria are reading together in silence. I feel like every bookworm needs to be dating or married to someone that they can just read next to in silence. It, it makes my heart all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Absolutely. There's something so comforting about just like, yeah, we both have a book. It's fine. I don't need to. I have proximity yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's enough. That's a, yeah. Uh, which, hey, you know, maybe maybe a bit of foreshadowing for uh, for what's to come in this episode. Yeah. Also, just note, answering the phone to talk about her friend's awful date in the middle of her own date is perhaps the most Tiffany thing imaginable. Yeah. At least she says, uh, she asks her to wait so she can order dessert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> priorities right yeah absolutely look dessert's important yes it's the, it's the most important meal of the day yes i agree or meals of the day <laughs> yes yes meanwhile helen and jake are out to what appears to be a business dinner uh jake's pitching his consulting services to a sushi restaurant owner who given his attitude toward helen comes off like a real piece of shit uh jake's having a blast though and he's getting pretty drunk on sake yeah he is 
Yeah. Helen puts up with so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's that's not unique to her. Like, see also women in general. Yeah. <laughs> Just, but this, this guy, um, the restaurant owner, he says something along the lines of, you're not watching your figure at your age, right? And and <laughs> It's amazing how much insult he packed into oh, <laughs> such yeah. a small phrase. Absolutely. And still, Helen has the absolute class to pretend that she's eating and drop the sushi and the napkin in her lap. Uh, you know, just absolutely classy. What a woman. <laughs> I would not go through that trouble. <laughs> no, no, not at all. That is, that is a class move too. Then. And perhaps the only time it is considered classy to just drop raw seafood into your lap. Yes. Back at the Morgendorfer residence, Daria and Tom have absconded to her room to the tune of Crash and Burn by Savage Garden, but not for anything more controversial than just laying around and reading. Quinn starts blasting the radio down the hall, so Daria gets up to shut the door. She picks her book back up, and they both resume reading. That's a 10.30. Cut to four in the morning, and Tom stirs awake. They both fell asleep while reading, and now Tom has to sneak out of his girlfriend's house in the middle of the night. He decides to go it alone and very nearly makes it, but is then spotted by a sleepy and still very drunk Jake, who's grabbing a snack. Jake very cordially helps Tom out of the house and then retires to bed, where he lets it slip that he ran into Tom while rummaging for food downstairs. Helen's what? Freaks <laughs> freaks everyone out, wakes up the entire house, and Daria braces for impact. Helen bursts into her room, and it appears there's going to be a mother-daughter talk. A very long one. <laughs> <laughs> This scene is highly entertaining to me. Oh, yes. It's turning every expectation we have of the scenario on his head. Tom is sneaking out not because they had sex, but because they fell asleep reading. It's so innocent. And we expect Jake to flip the shit, but he is being super happy and helpful. Yeah. I even expected him to realize his mistake when the door closed. But no, we wait until he gets into bed and he doesn't realize his mistake. It's Helen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and you're right. This is such a subversion of what you would expect out of this scene. And and that's really fun. I think he, we'll talk uh, more about how Jake handles this entire episode. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we'll talk about that some more. But I do think it's it's interesting that you know, that Jake's reaction, even when he sobers up and he does realize what happened, like Jake's reaction is not to freak out, is not to go over the top. He's just, he's very avoidant. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, You know, to to a comical extent, which I mean, that's Jake. He doesn't, he does everything to to 11. Mm -hmm. Um, But like between that and uh, I'm thinking very specifically because, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned that Jake's not the one who freaks out. I'm thinking very specifically to that moment when Jake, is, I forget when it was, but Jake answered the door expecting one of Quinn's dates to be there. And it was a girl. And, <laughs> and Jake's response wasn't like freaking out or anything. He was just like, wow, I really don't know my own daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's totally play for a laugh, and, and it's definitely thinking way too much into it to look at that as like, oh, maybe Jake's kind of, you know, <laughs> maybe he's not as crazy strict as we might assume. But I don't know. It's just it's something about it just set off a, a little bell in my head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's it, dating is one thing, but when it comes to actual sex, I think that's where, you yeah. know, he just falls apart. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> 
I something about Tom having to sneak out of the house set off this like incredible feeling of nostalgia. Oh, <laughs> sounds weird to say, but like I, I both miss and don't miss that weird period of teenage life where like you'd have to sneak quietly into or out of your significant other's house in the middle of the night. Um, Is this a thing that you did? <laughs> I look. I okay. I only dated two people in high school, but their fathers were a Coast Guard drill sergeant and a police captain. <laughs> respectively. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So okay. shit got pretty harrowing. Okay. Yeah. That that does sound pretty intense. <laughs> I would I would and I wasn't it was it was very frequently a Tom situation. It was very frequently just like, yeah, I was I was over and we were watching Donnie Darko and I fell asleep and it's three in the morning and this looks a lot worse than it is, but I need <laughs> I need to get out of here because the captain of the Egg Harbor Township police is here. Yikes. Yeah. One time he did end up wake, he did end up having to wake me up and get me to leave because I was parked behind him. <laughs> he had to leave for his shift at like 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> he's just like, this kid, he's such a loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, he knew. Like, this kid's a dork. I have absolutely nothing to worry about. But like, <laughs> we can kind of see immediately where this episode's going to go. And it feels like one of those episodes that could go either way. Mm-hmm. This is ep- episode 64, technically 65, if you count the movie, uh, of Daria, a-, a show about a teenage girl trying to navigate teenage life. And we haven't yet had an episode about sex. So, you know, let's see how this plays out. It is uh, it is really surprising, isn't it? I mean, you have jokes about Kevin and Brittany, but yes. that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, it's you get like a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of talk from Jane to some extent, but just because she's, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, of the two, she's the she's <laughs> she's a comparatively prolific dater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, um, but and know, of course really we have Helen and Jake. <laughs> yes, yes, that's yes. yeah, actually. The ma- the vast majority of the sex we've seen on this show has been from Helen and Jake. Yeah. Um, by the way, one last thing about Jake: his midnight snack is lasagna. That's amazing. <laughs> but he says it lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> it's so adorable. Uh, we cut to full daylight, and it appears that Helen has been grilling poor Daria for a few hours now. Um, she buys Daria's story, though it seems unlikely to her that two teenagers behind a closed bedroom door were up to nothing at all. She asks Daria to go over everything again, and that's when Quinn, who's just waking up, overhears just enough of the discussion. She immediately runs for the phone. Back in Daria's room, Daria pushes back on Helen, saying the only reason Tom was, quote, sneaking out was because they were worried about this exact sort of reaction. She says that nothing happened, and she'd tell Helen if it did. I don't know about that last part, but Helen seems placated. (laughs) What do we think of Helen's approach here? Because I'm not super wild about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to elaborate first? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I just kind of like leapt right into my uh, my thoughts on it. But like, it's, Tom and Dario only feel the need to sneak around because they can predict Helen's overreaction. Uh, Helen, mm-hmm. despite having no reason to doubt Daria's word, spends all night lecturing and interrogating her daughter. And like, Let's remember, Helen's a lawyer, so it's probably not as though this stuff's being done with a light touch. Aww. Imagine 
Right. And imagine how much it has to how much it has to suck being Daria, realizing that your mother doesn't have any faith in your intelligence and your sense of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does seem excessive. Um I, I didn't actually pick up on the fact that it was that, that this was a continued discussion. I thought it was like the next morning, you know, after everyone had gone <laughs> back to sleep and woken up again. But I was wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that her reaction is excessive um, to the point that I wondered if it was like hours long lecture was like actually hyperbolic. I think that uh, the bit we see of their conversation is reasonable. Uh, the I hope you feel like you can come talk to me if you're thinking of doing the sex part. Sure, um, sure. It, of course, it's a conversation that happens all the time in television, and it never really makes sense to me. Like, yeah, why yeah. wait to have that conversation? Why not have it early and often? That might be more effective. <laughs> And we will be talking quite a bit about that. Yes. It's just, uh, <laughs> we can't yet. <laughs> um, yes. But Let's because hold there's, off. yeah, there's plenty to talk about. Quinn's off in her room sharing the news with the fellow members of the fashion club while the Daria Helen conversation continues. Helen's reinforcing that she'd want Daria to come to her whenever she's thinking about actually having sex for the first time. Daria really, really just wants this conversation to be over. Jake bursts into the room complaining that he feels like he has a parasite or something in his throat, but when he sees Daria, he clams up immediately and literally takes off running. <laughs> Helen gives chase and Daria shuts the door behind her, sighing loudly at what's surely going to be a rough couple of days. Look, not too wild about Jake's approach either, uh, though it was entirely predictable and maybe kind of honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe the fact that his approach is avoidance and not the aggressive authoritarianism that we see from a lot of dads on TV, especially at this time, I feel like. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's appropriate, considering that Daria herself is avoiding sex, as, you know. yeah, no, <laughs> as we'll a, find out. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. And, and you know, yeah, we, we talked about how this this is a nice kind of subversion over what you might expect from a sitcom dad. And it, it it fits. It absolutely fits for Jake. Yeah, and yeah, that's it's really something else. I, we kind of touched upon this. I know I want you to talk to me first is the parental cliche, but I really wonder what percentage of teens or young adults actually do talk to their parents before having sex for the first time. <laughs> Like, I, I tried looking into studies on the subject to get a better idea, but findings have been absolutely all over the place. Uh, some of that is because it's not as simple as, have you talked about sex with your parents or have you talked about sex with your child? Like There are layers upon layers to how far those conversations can go, and everybody's going to have a different idea of what constitutes that talk. And also- That's like, true, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I, I don't know. I can't imagine- sitting down with my parents and saying, I have, I've plotted everything out and it looks like, <laughs> it looks like this is going to be a big week for me, mom. <laughs> Can we chat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, I just, I don't know. And I also, I wonder what impact the internet has had on how frequently or infrequently those conversations happen. Like, Teenagers who want to know more about sex but don't want to have those conversations with their parents haven't had to primarily rely on health class or word of mouth for more than two decades now. Mm -hmm. And 
one branch of that conversation would be how much has much <laughs> how has much more readily available pornography impacted the way teens view or understand sex, which is a rabbit hole we really don't want to yeah. venture into. I think the answer is too much. <laughs> yes, yes, I would absolutely say so. Um, Let's just point everyone to Teen Vogue. They're doing a good job. Teen Vogue is doing a great job at yeah. just about everything. Yes. <laughs> By all means. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the cliche is pretty harmful. Um, I we see this in TV and in movies all the time, and it's well-meaning uh, because it gives the teenager agency in the situation, which I'm sure teenage viewers appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, it's so awkward. And I don't think I need to pull up statistics to tell you that being silent about sex is harmful. I mean, like, you know, what what results in that you know, that like talk to us when you're ready is just silence, right? Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> and abst abstinence only education does not work and preventative measures in all areas of healthcare are effective. So there's that. <laughs> if you look at, at Sweden, for example, uh, with comprehensive sexual education or sex education, I guess, <laughs> uh, <laughs> government policies that subsidize contraceptives, uh, a sense of egalitarianism between the sexes, and healthy, that is not puritanical like the US, <laughs> healthy <laughs> attitudes towards sex, um, you know, like softcore pornography airing on television after a certain time of the evening, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of attitude. The unwanted pregnancy rates are much lower than in the U.S. And I think what it comes down to is that Americans tend to feel that they're constantly in opposition with their bodies. Yes, absolutely. Um, like our bodies are inconvenient. They're always getting in the way of being productive. Like we have to feed them and exercise them and they never quite reach Hollywood perfection. So we're not you know, talking about our bodies and how weird they are in the way we should, you know, um, we're not moving them and celebrating the, the, the things that our bodies can do, um, but we're focused on what they can't do. And I think that feeds into our sex education, um, you know, how parents and talk to their teenagers about sex, how adults talk to teenagers about sex and how we present it um, in media. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's all so well said. <laughs> um, it, it, this and is something I think about a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and rightfully so. It's something we all should be thinking about a fair amount because it is, I don't know, if you, if you only have grown up in, in the US, you have a wildly different <laughs> your your access to discussions and and you know forthright stances and um you know more sensible media on sex is much different than it is in a lot of other places throughout the world who have yep. a much better handle on these things and and I'll say like you know I'm in complete agreement with you on absolutely all of this uh and I I say that but I am also not at all immune to you know, being impacted by those same attitudes, immune to being impacted by some of the same body image stuff, and and um, oh, totally guilty, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I definitely don't have a, like a conservative attitude about sex whatsoever, but I I am definitely slightly more conservative about it than a lot of folks <laughs> that that I know, and I see them and I envy them, and I wish that I could live my life that free. 
and and I just I don't know. I it, it's never come naturally to me. And maybe uh, it's just a matter of like you know I had a very limited scope when, when I was growing up. I had like a borderline religious upbringing for a little while, and then you know no guidance whatsoever for a little while. And you know, so so there's all sorts of, of different things swirling around there, and it, and it makes it tough to kind of figure your own way out. And if all of the media around you, and if all of the you know, if, if all of the guidance from, you know, you're somewhat more conservative, well, not somewhat, definitely more conservative than most other <laughs> advanced nations government uh, is pushing, uh, it just kind of makes you, it guides you toward being ashamed of a thing that your body does naturally and a thing that you should celebrate and be happy about and be proud of. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's difficult, you know, you, you'll end up having a more difficult, <laughs> difficult go of it. Absolutely. And, and like I remember growing up just the emphasis that was placed on on sex and 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 being sexy and that like comparing yourself, you know, like as a teenager with a body that is still like figuring itself out <laughs> to like fully formed adults <laughs> that are like movie stars and spend yes. all day exercising, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, it's just, it's just toxic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I went off on that little rant. And of course, all of that is coming from the perspective of that's not even factoring in all of the just heaps of shit that get just dropped upon, uh, dropped upon women <laughs> with regard to, to sex and sexuality, you know, from an extraordinarily young age. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. And we're not even, I mean, like, ta also, we're also talking from a white perspective here. And, uh, you know, yes. yeah. there's, uh, you know, a whole bunch of shit that people of color have to deal with in, in these terms. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to an episode of Morgan Dorks that could be five hours long. <laughs> <laughs> let's not, though. <laughs> no, let's not. Let's not. Over at the pizza place, we hear Nobody Wants to Be Lonely by Ricky Martin and Christina Aguilera. Daria and Tom are grabbing a slice when Upchuck wanders by and drops some odd sexually charged praise before Ooh. wandering off. Yeah. Uh, Tom and Daria don't have much time to wonder what the hell was that about before Kevin and Brittany stop by and pick up where Upchuck left off, you know, in their own way. Everybody's going out of their way to say congrats on the fucking without actually saying congrats on the fucking. And Daria and Tom seem to be unsure of what's going on because that's just kind of how sitcoms are written. So Upchuck, um, mm -hmm. has, is he, has he had sex? Like is the assumption that he's actually had sex or, or is it all just talk? <laughs> so I will not spoil anything, but I uh -huh. feel as though we might get an answer to that <laughs> okay. sometime okay. in the near future. All right. We'll um, put that on the back burner then. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm not sure if we get an answer to it. I, I, do, I do know that there is some sense of resolution in Upchuck, uh, Upchuck's arc, as it were, <laughs> quote unquote. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's- a little, a little to while be from continued. Now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a virgin. I, I don't think anybody has uh, thrown him a bone, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Brittany talks about having quote womanly talks with Daria. Oh <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> I need to know what they are. I will PayPal Glenn Eichler some money if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> Write that episode for me. Yeah, Just please, the womanly talks. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the weirdness of this scene. And honestly, the weirdness of this scene aside, I really do think that there's something like oddly nice about the way that B-Plot gang is happy for and supportive of what they perceive to be Daria and Tom taking that step in their relationship. Like this could have gone in a much more slut shamey direction and who knows, it still might. (laughs) Yeah. You know, right off the bat, it could have been way, way worse. Yeah. It could have gotten crude, you know, but it didn't. And that, you know, and you know, TV, standards may have something to do with that. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, I agree with you. I I do like the supportiveness. Upchuck's reaction is unfortunate, um, but I like the sex positivity. On the flip side, of course, is that the pure enthusiasm overshadows the fact that, hey, it's also great if they decide that sex is not for them. Yeah, yes. <laughs> this sex as a rite of passage thing is 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 tricky. And <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the Morgendorfer residence, Jake's convinced he picked up a parasite from the sushi restaurant. He's panicking in Helen's general direction, but she's looking at paperwork and shrugging him off. Daria enters for just long enough to egg Jake on and wander back out, but he doesn't have long to freak out because he then suddenly gets a phone call saying he got the consulting gig for the sushi restaurant. Suddenly sushi's not so bad, except for the parasites. We'll just ignore the parasites. Yeah, I gotta whistle past the parasites. I don't want to dive too far into it, especially because I really love sushi, but I'll just say when you Google, can you get sushi from, or can you get parasites from sushi? I wrote, can you get sushi from parasites? Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I'll just say when you Google- Chicken, egg, you know. <laughs> what was there first? The sushi or the parasites? We'll never know. Um, when you Google, can you get parasites from sushi? The first thing that pops up is a paper from the University of Washington that suggests sushi parasites have increased 283-fold in the past four decades. Wow. Couldn't care less. Sushi is delicious. (laughs) But man. wow. That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I mean, sushi has become very popular, so I believe it. But wow. My neighbor recently had to go to the hospital for food poisoning from homemade sushi. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) But it wasn't from the fish that went bad. Like apparently um, it was – I don't I don't know like what they had out, but um she said it was the rice. Um and they had oh, left it out for a while, but like <laughs> there was bacteria in the rice. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. <laughs> oh man. Oh Christ. Anyway, I really do wonder how this B plot of sushi parasites is meant to intersect with the A plot. <laughs> This nebulous connection between vaginas and fish and oh my God. STDs <laughs> and the parasites. It's kind of disturbing. And then when you said uh, w- when you said something about Helen dropping raw fish into her lap, I was like, oh. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, right? no. Yeah. This- so, like, does <laughs> eating sushi equal having sex? Like- why, why must the result be illness? Am I thinking too far into this? Is all the crudeness in the B plot? <laughs> all right, you're on. You're on B plot patrol. Oh, it's just. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, eating parasitic sushi is having sex and, you know, a Pet. warning from <laughs> a warning away from it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you know what? You know what? If they told you, hey, man. This, if they if they told me in health class, if they show me a picture of what they end up pulling out of Jake's throat later on in this episode, <laughs> if they show me a picture of that and said this is what can happen, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would still I would still not have had sex yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Christ! Well, the miracle <laughs> of life really like you know messed me up for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you and every other girl in the health classes, right? Like yeah. that, you know. I gotta, I gotta push what out of what? <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse you. <laughs> there were people in my class that left, like during it because they were gonna get sick. <laughs> Good. Good for them. Uh, the hell out of there! Nobody needs to see that. <laughs> that age. <laughs> Oh, oh sex education in America. It doesn't look like a miracle. It really doesn't. <laughs> it looks like the opposite of a miracle. I think I think miracle, I think something very sterile. <laughs> something <laughs> shining lights and Yes, yes, absolutely. It's shining lights. Well, there are shining lights. It's just <laughs> It's just they're shining on horrors. Not <laughs> yeah. Oh Christ. All right. Yeah, there there are like there are like European listeners to this episode going, what the fuck are they doing to yeah. people over there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a special uh, kind of rite of passage yeah. that we have over here. It's it's <laughs> heinous over here, guys. You really don't, you don't want any part of it. Oh, wow. Over at the Lane residence, Jane answers the phone to find Daria on the other end. She says she's been waiting for Daria's call and would like to be spared the, quote, squishier details. And Daria is nice. deeply yeah, seriously. And Daria is deeply confused. Talk at the pizza place has left her baffled, and Jane assumes she's playing dumb right up until she realizes no, her friend's just totally in the dark. She tells Daria there's a rumor going around that her and Tom have slept together, that Jake walked in in the middle of it, and something involving black high heels. Damn, good for Daria. Anyway, <laughs> Daria is mortified, but that's the end of Act One. We hear no excuses by Allison Chains as we go to commercial. I shrugged off Daria's cluelessness as just the way sitcoms are written a little bit earlier. And normally I'd be kind of annoyed that she's not catching on at the beginning of this conversation with Jane. But I think the writers do something a little clever here in implying that she's not necessarily like purposefully keeping the possibility or that she's purposefully keeping the possibility walled off in her mind. Like rather than not knowing what's going on, she knows, but she doesn't want to engage with it whatsoever. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I was a little frustrated at her obtuseness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, um, I mean, like, she even says, like, you know, like, that they're implying something that she doesn't want to think of. So she's, you know, she knows it. Right. But she's, you know, having this drawn out conversation. <laughs> 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 but what? what? What are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know Daria. <laughs> uh yeah, it's at least um, we got the the high heels detail. 
Yeah, the uh, you know the inspiration for no doubt plenty of fan art. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, in that relationship, let's be real, Daria would be the top. <laughs> um, <laughs> act two opens at Daria's, where we hear Destiny Ch Destiny's child survivor playing as Daria confronts Quinn about the rumors. Quinn blames Stacy for breaking her secrecy oath to tell Tiffany and Sandy. I don't know. Fashion club's going to do what fashion club's going to do. Yeah. Um, there, there are no secrets in fashion club. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the frog and the scorpion. Like, you, just, you, you know. Hey, Daria mostly just wants to set the record straight. Unfortunately for her, Quinn doesn't want to hear any of the details and thus doesn't really want to hear that nothing happened. At Lawndale High, get myself arrested by Gomez plays as Daria wow. approaches. Nice. Yeah. Seriously. Plays as Daria approaches Jody to talk about everything. Jody says, "Hey, it ain't the 19, it ain't the 1950s anymore, and women should be free to have sex without worrying about their reputations." Which, yes, totally. But Daria points out she didn't actually do anything. Jody kind of whistles right past that and says, "Hey, Daria and Tom have been going out for a while now, and it makes sense that they'd want to take things to the next level." She goes on to note that sex is nothing to be ashamed of, so long as everybody's responsible. Then Daria asks if that means Jody and Mac have quote been responsible. Joni's response is that she doesn't want to talk about it right now, but she'll be more than happy to have the conversation after her parents are dead. <laughs> she wanders off, leaving Daria by herself. Uh, backing up to the scene with Quinn, uh, this is when I realized mm -hmm. that there's never been any discussion about Quinn having sex. Um, she goes on dates constantly, but when she comes across this juicy tidbit of news. She runs away to tell her best friends like she's a third grader or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and brushing her sister off in the scene. For me, I think it totally gives away the fact that she doesn't fully understand the gravity of the situation, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's interesting to me because Quinn is the one that is, you know, more active in the dating scene and clearly has her kinks. <laughs> yes, yes. She does. She enjoys men being violent over her. Mm -hmm. uh, violent, violent for her hand, I should say. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there, you know, hey, Quinn, Quinn is absolutely more experienced than Daria in this regard. And she, you know, I mean, she dates around and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But also she knows enough to know that she doesn't appear to have any interest in going a whole lot further than that. Um, <laughs> and if she does, we haven't heard about it. And I mean, it's not really our business. So, and, and, you know, along those same lines, like I love that Jody joins the rest of the B-plot gang in their supportive attitude toward Daria and Tom having sex while also expressing some of the more complicated nuance of these discussions. Mm. Like, She's openly contradicting herself by saying there's nothing to be ashamed of, but also rushing away from the conversation the moment it turns toward her own sex life. And you know, that doesn't come off as disingenuous because it's very realistic and very relatable. Like, yeah, you know, like I was saying earlier, I look, I completely agreed with everything you were saying earlier about about sex education and about, you know, being proud of our bodies and being proud of, of the things they can do and everything like that. But I also have a very deep and inborn shame. <laughs> so, we all do. Yeah. Uh, so that's, You're not that's, alone. Right. So that's so relatable. You know, the, the rhetoric not necessarily matching, you know, do as I say, not as I do, you know. 
I can completely relate to that. And it was, it was kind of refreshing to see it, you know, Jody yet again, being, <laughs> being a really advanced voice for, yes. for, for a show that, that really has not caught up to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jody has also worked very hard to be the star human being that she is. So oh, yes, um, yes. she doesn't need, um, any kind of slut shaming to drag her down right now. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you know? not at all. That's that's the very last thing she needs to deal with on top of everything else. Mm. <laughs> also, who's going to slut shame Jody? Point me out to them. I will. Who would have the nerve? Really? Right, right. Who who wants that smoke? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, later on, Jane and Daria are walking down the street and Daria is lamenting the fact that she thought her unpopularity would mean nobody cared one way or the other about her sex life. Jane asks why this is bothering her so much, since after all, what does she care what Kevin or anybody else thinks about her? Daria says it's really more about the idea that if she's in a relationship, it must mean she's having sex. And if she's not, then is her relationship less meaningful? Jane points out that relationships can't possibly hinge on sex because if that's the case, then their parents are still doing it, which is absurd. They enter the pizza place where Daria tries to divert focus from the rumor Quinn started into a rumor about Quinn that she has a really gross form of toe fungus. Nice. <laughs> um, I love Jane's line about <laughs> about the par- about parents yes. having sex. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's that so quick little funny. exchange there where they go back and forth. Like, no, ridiculous. No, couldn't possibly happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, as we mentioned before, uh, the most sex we've seen on this show is all Helen and Jake. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, not in private places. Yeah, like, no. Like running around the living room. Yes. <laughs> there might not be any safe surfaces in the Morgan Dover household. <laughs> At one point a while back, uh, I remember you brought up how interesting it would be for Daria to be written as asexual. Yeah. And we're probably not diving too far into that with this episode, but this touches upon that ep- that aspect of her personality in a pretty interesting way. Like, we need to remember that there is a distinction between asexual and aromantic. Yeah, and it's perfectly normal for Daria to have romantic feelings for Tom, but to not be interested in sex. There's a vulnerability here, and that Daria is letting society's view on sex potentially interfere with her views on her own relationship. Yeah, I love the vulnerability. And this isn't the first time that Daria has let other people's ideas of what a relationship should be interfere with her relationship with Tom. Um, Yes, yeah. (laughs) It's an interesting way to create conflict. It's complicated, you know, but it's also a little frustrating for me to to watch this as a married adult. <laughs> um, as I said, if you have found someone you can sit next to in silence and just read, then you are set. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how much you need to appreciate that until yes. you get a little bit later on in life. <laughs> uh, look, Jane Lane, best friend. Now, now, then, forever. Uh, it's perfectly okay mm-hmm. with talking about the sex life of her best friend as it pertains to her ex. What a boss. What an absolute yeah. boss. Amazing human being. Yeah. Uh, also, Jane reveals here that she hasn't had sex yet, and she intends to wait until college, where she plans to get to it at 11 a.m. on move-in day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a... <laughs> 
<laughs> what a plan. What a plan. I look, I remember moving day. I admire her courage. Uh-huh. Her her endurance. Uh, <laughs> I still have quite visceral memories of lugging stuff up the narrow dank stairs of Mimosa Hall. <laughs> oh Christ, yes. Yeah. Um for me it was it was evergreen. And we were, I mean we were on the first floor and it was great, but Boy, howdy, was there no air conditioning. Yeah. And it was a nice like 90 degrees. Yeah, Ugh. I think I was on the third or fourth floor. Oh, fourth my God. floor? Fourth Christ. floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did we even survive? <laughs> I'm not sure we did. This is all just the afterlife. That's it. Oh, oh I'm wasting it on this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> uh we cut to a doctor's office where we hear things I've seen by spooks as Jake gets his parasite removed. Apparently, the doctor's been removing a lot of parasites from people who frequent the sushi restaurant that oh Jake's God. now partnered with. <laughs> yeah. So the worm the doctor removes, is he mentions the term anisakid. It's not an anisakid. It is way too big. It looks wildly different. Seems to have been hanging out in Jake's throat. You can get anisakids from sushi. Like they, They're much smaller. <laughs> Um, they don't look like that. They live in your intestines where they'll cause violent abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. But most of the time, they'll just be out of your system in a few weeks. So they won't like crawl up your throat. They will not <laughs> crawl up your throat. They, and they will not look like um, they will not look like the thing that that guy pulled out of Jake because that was heinous. Yeah, that looked like a house centipede. Um, oh, uh, uh-huh. To be fair, I wouldn't want one of those in my body either. But no, not at I all. I also think that they're just too fragile. If they just like tried, they'd just fall apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is that um, better or worse? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really <laughs> oh. sure. But I did make the mistake of googling images for an anisakid, and all I can say, nope, nope, nope. Nope, 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 nope. 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 <laughs> oh, Christ. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Over at Tom's, he and Daria are watching TV when he asks if she's doing okay because she hasn't been acting like herself. She says there's a rumor going around her school that she and Tom have slept together. She reveals she's conflicted, not because she cares what everybody else thinks about her, though she does a little bit, but because the sense she gets is physical closeness matters just as much to a couple's happiness as romantic closeness. Tom says he's fine with the fact that Daria said she wasn't ready, but Daria's wavering and seems to be unsure of her own stance on things. Finally, she decides she is ready, and Tom says, alrighty, I got a condom right here. Daria's put off <sighs> by the fact that he's just kind of always got a condom at the ready and immediately rescinds her own readiness, which leads to a small skirmish because Tom just wants Daria to make up her mind. She does. She's ready. Just not immediately, but sometime in the very near future. Okay, good. All settled. Nothing's going to go wrong here. That's the end of Act 2, and we go to commercial with Things I've Seen playing again. So at the top of that scene, when when Daria tells Tom that there's the rumor going around, he says, can we get that rumor started at my school? Yeah. And that- It's such a- it is the beginning of a very uncomfortable conversation um, to yes. watch. And, and and it just kind of speaks to, you know, the the credit that yeah. rumors of sex do for um, or give to men, whereas not as much for 
women. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be it, fair, people are pretty pretty nice to Daria about it, but I mean, yeah, her parents it, are not happy. <laughs> right. There's just such and a that's there's, what matters. <laughs> there's just such a gulf between like the reaction you get to, oh hey, you're having sex at 17 or whatever as a girl, and oh hey, you're having sex at 17 or whatever as a boy, and and it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not great. Um, yeah, and yeah, you're it, it is a, it is an extremely broy thing that he says, and he is joking, like yes, yeah, it's yeah. it's important to note that, but but it's it's not, it is still it's a very broy thing to say, and it's it's just not it's not great, it's not a good look. And, you know, let's jump right into it. I really don't like Tom's use of language throughout (laughs) this whole thing. Like he says at one point, you said you weren't ready. That is what you said, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Uh, That is, it's subtle, kind of subtle. Uh, And what makes it more insidious is that he's going back and forth between that shittiness and then actually saying the right things. Like mm -hmm. saying he's totally fine with her not being ready. Good. Asking her repeatedly if she's sure. Good. But between those instances, he keeps finding ways to say, yes, let's do the sex without actually saying, yes, let's do the sex. Yeah. It's a way of like applying pressure to someone who's clearly already having difficulty with the situation. And it sucks. It's also a strategy untold numbers of people have undoubtedly used to get untold numbers of other people to do things <laughs> they weren't ready for. And the thing about being perfectly accepting and supportive of your partner's desire to not have sex is that you have to walk the walk. You can't say you completely support their decision while simultaneously slipping in, no pun intended, reference after reference to your own desire to have sex. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All of that. it's, It's also like- it is painfully easy to see that, you know, even when they get to the end of the scene, Daria is not at all comfortable with the decision she just made. No, and Tom no. needs to see that. Mm-hmm. I apologize for how much I'm going on about this, but Go there's on. a lot. To, Go on. There, it's also important to note, like, looking at it from the other side, let's step back for a second and say, it is also important to note that if your partner isn't interested in sex, but you see it as vital, it's important to discuss that. Like, yes. Your feelings aren't any less valid than theirs. And that kind of a discrepancy between your stances is unfair to both of you. But the way to deal with it isn't to try to subtly push your partner into having sex. Yeah, that's not the way. Uh, Thank you for saying all of that. I didn't want to interrupt you at all because you were totally on a roll. Um, And it restores my faith in humanity somewhat. Um, (laughs) So thank you. Um, I have to agree that that Tom's not even talking the talk here. He's so eager. He almost suggests that they get down to it like right then before his parents get home, Um, you know, before Daria cuts him off about the (laughs) icky condom. Um, (laughs) He's really not reading the room. And and when Daria changes her mind and she says she doesn't want to, he goes, geez, Daria, like, hold on, buddy. Right, right. <laughs> I just want to smack him. As a reminder to everyone, much like gender and sexuality, sexual desire also exists on a spectrum, and people are allowed to change their minds about having sex, whether that's like in a split second or like in 30 years. <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. Can, you, you can change your mind. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's... 
you know, and look, those discussions have to be had, you know, though you need to be able to talk through those things. And and, and that's just, that's just how it works. Yes. Um, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Also, look, neither here nor there really, but don't carry condoms in your wallet. <laughs> the constant body heat causes them to break down. It makes them less effective. They do have expiration dates. Oh, yes. <laughs> to that last point, how long has that condom been in Tom's wallet? Oh, I don't know. Because he had to have put it in there like before or during his relationship with Jane, right? Like, I, I guess. I cannot imagine he got into his relationship with Daria and thought like, boy, I better be ready at a moment's notice with this <laughs> lady. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it, it it's had to have been there for a while. Oh, Christ. It was probably something that was like handed out at school or something. Yeah, no doubt. We start act three on the same couch where Daria and Tom are trying to determine a time and place. She's finding reasons to shoot down every one of his suggestions, but once he points it out in his own way, uh, she settles on his room next weekend. Over at Lawndale High, Jane approaches Daria to reveal that the Quinn toe fungus rumor has supplanted Daria's sex life as the number one topic of conversation. That's a sentence. Uh, <laughs> Daria is relieved, but now has a whole new thing to worry about, actually having sex. Jane Lane, best friend, is happy for and supportive of Daria, but notices that her friend is not handling the situation well. She is, in Jane's words, scared witless. Daria acknowledges that and moves on to her next class, leaving Jane concerned for her best friend. I, I don't want to get off into another 10-minute tangent, but again, not wild about how Tom is handling this. Yeah. That said, I'd like to extend my praise of the B-plot gang to include Jane. Yes. Her supportiveness was awkward, but in a charming and understandable way. Yeah. I love how Jane's volume tripled yeah. <laughs> when, when she thought that Daria had done the deed. Daria. <laughs> I know. She, she was, I can't believe that we didn't get a shot of everybody just <laughs> stopping, stopping in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Jane did say something in this scene that has really been bothering me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she says, this is a big decision, a defining moment of your life. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um one, I really wish people would stop thinking this way. I mean, I think it's an artifact of a time in which um reliable contraception didn't exist for women and they often waited until marriage. Um we're not defined by who we have sex with or who we don't have sex with <laughs> when we first had it or how good it was. Unless, of course, you do it for a living, then it's important. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. um, and, you know, building up this importance around this very silly and brief event in your life just <laughs> feeds into our puritanical attitudes towards sex. Yes. So that Absolutely. was one. Yeah. Two, virginity is a fucking patriarchal myth meant to perpetuate the practice of keeping and treating women as property. So stop. <laughs> Three, it needs to be said, not all sex is penis and vagina penetrative sex. <laughs> and when our culture stories yep, place yep. emphasis on this kind of sex, it erases a beautiful diversity of experiences. And... As this yeah. episode is trying to get at, it makes people forget that there are many types of intimacy and many types of love. So, yeah, 
Absolutely. And that, that is my rant. <laughs> uh, and I mean, th- this is one of those, hey, the show is, the show is 20 years old. Um, yeah. And, you know, there are, there are aspects of this episode that handle it way better than other shows, than other contemporaneous shows. And there are also aspects of the show that don't handle it all that great. But yeah, it, it is treating it as a, as a life changing, uh, a define a defining moment of your life is a really, really, really rough phrase <laughs> to be using yeah. for something like that. Um, yeah. The- I, I mean, I recognize that, that, you know, this kind of talk is, is supposed to be empowering her. Like, sure. think about yeah. it because, you know, you have the power to think about it and make that decision. Right. You know, which is, uh, you know, reasonable at this time. <laughs> sure. But, but yeah, watching it, you know, now <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, how I would have benefited from much different rhetoric. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Same. <laughs> I'm super glad that my first time was not defining of, yes. of anything whatsoever. <laughs> um, for a lot of people, that's not going to be a, a, a fun it's not necessarily going to be a fun, enjoyable thing. Like it could yeah. be painful. It could just be really awkward. It could suck. And you know, look, there's there's nothing new about saying, "Hey, you put a lot of pressure on you know, quote losing your virginity, and uh, it was disappointing, and that's really like difficult to deal with." Like you know, that's that's not a a new plot line <laughs> by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. But it does. It it places so much pressure on you know one or two. In, usually one or two inexperienced people engaging in an act that they're just not necessarily all that familiar with. And, <laughs> and so maybe they're not that great at it or maybe they, or maybe there's just things they're unsure about or maybe they're just super uncomfortable because it's a new thing and it's a, you know, and it is something to, to ultimately be proud of and be, you know, and not be ashamed of, but also, you know, it, it's tough <laughs> again yes. because of, you know, we have this, this puritanical way of, of, of looking at these things, especially in this country. And yeah, you know, it, it, so much emphasis gets placed on something that is, for the most part, it's young folks going through it and they really don't need that kind of pressure. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Sucks. I'll say along those lines, the idea of having to like plan exactly when and where <laughs> <laughs> the, the act would go down for the first time, terrifying. <laughs> like, <laughs> The idea of, and I'm, I'm thinking back to 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 young Rob uh, about to have sex for the first time, and and talking to the person who was he was about to do it with, and the idea of you know sitting down and saying like, all right, well, what's your schedule look like? Um, <laughs> when when are your parents going to be around? Uh, oh, I can't do that day. <laughs> like the idea of doing that is horrifying to me. <laughs> It's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, ugh, yeah. Don't need it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> at the Morgendorfer residence that night, Clint Eastwood by Gorillas plays while Jake rubs his parasite in Helen's face. But not, not literally. literally. Yeah, not literally, uh, but still. <laughs> uh, Daria enters and Jake, of course, flees the room. Helen tries to strike up a serious conversation with Daria, but she's reluctant. And when Jake comes back in the room to make some ridiculous point about his parasite, Daria uses that opportunity to run away undetected. 
That night she sleeps restlessly and greets the morning of Saturday, the day she agreed upon with Tom, with a whole bunch of anxiety. Uh, over at Tom's that evening, he's lighting candles and getting everything ready. He set up a lovely space. The only thing missing is Daria. Hours pass and she still doesn't show. Frustrated, he calls the Morgendorfers. Helen answers, and when she mentions Tom's name, Daria signals she super does not want to have a conversation. After Tom hangs up, Helen asks Daria what's up. She clearly has a lot going on at the moment, but she avoids diving too far into it with her mother. Over at Tom's, he throws out the flowers he'd bought as Drops of Jupiter by Train plays in the background. The next morning, he finds a note on his doorstep. It's from Daria. She's realized she's not ready, and she accepts that this will mean that they're breaking up. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, we love vulnerability on this show. <laughs> and this episode has so much of it. Daria is being pulled in a million different directions by this situation, and each aspect of it is fascinating and also a little heartbreaking in its own way. Good on her for realizing that she wasn't ready, especially if she's already internalized that it will mean losing Tom. We'll we'll get into it in a second, but like that can't have been an easy note to write or an easy decision to make, but to to sit there and say like, no, I am not ready. I know this will cost me. I know this will be painful, but I am not ready. There is a strength to that that is is pretty admirable. I think it's absolutely heartbreaking that she's convinced that she's going to lose her boyfriend because she didn't have sex with him. Yeah. Um, We have asked this question before. How much of a shithead does she think Tom is? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, very good point. (laughs) It's it's bad. And also, this makes me – this makes me think of, of all things, um, Helen's niece, uh, Aaron, the one oh, yeah. who the one who got married because she got herpes from her boyfriend and she didn't think that anybody else would want her. Yep. I went and checked that episode. The episode where that was revealed was not written by Peggy Nichols, so this is not necessarily <laughs> it's not necessarily a trend with her. But it is. It, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is heartbreaking. It's it's such a it is such a shitty thing that she has been led to believe uh, or to accept about you know about her relationship and about her sex life and about uh, just dating in general. It's, it's just rough. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Um, Agreed. Also, I like Drops of Jupiter. It's a pretty song. <laughs> <laughs> Fight me, America. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not bad. There are yeah. some like. Uh, there are a lot worse songs about women coming out around that time so yes. you know yeah. i will i will take drops of jupiter um <laughs> this, this soundtrack for this episode there's a lot of good and recognizable songs on this yeah song. there's some some bangers yeah no pun, in, no pun intended oh dear <laughs> <laughs> that oh dear was in stride that was very good <laughs> Uh, over at the Morgendorfer residence, Tom knocks on the door. Daria answers and they go for a walk. He's in disbelief, but not over her decision to not have sex. Rather, he's in disbelief that she just dumped him without talking through things. She insists that they agreed if sleeping together would bring them closer together, not sleeping together would drive them further apart. He points out that he never said that, she did, and that he was perfectly happy with things the way they were. Daria points out that's a little disingenuous, which he does cop to immediately. But he says the point is she's not ready, and he understands. I'm drifting into just rewriting the transcript uh, transcript territory, uh, so I think maybe we'll just go ahead and play the conversation that follows. Sure. 
No, you don't understand. It's not that I'm not ready. It's that I'm scared. Same thing. No, it's not the same thing. I just admitted that I'm scared. The thought of that much intimacy, it's just overwhelming to me. Oh. Daria, you know I would never do anything to make you uncomfortable. And even if I could handle it, what if you were disappointed? Our whole relationship could be ruined. You don't want to have sex because you're afraid it'll hurt our relationship, and then you break up with me. Doctor, my head. I thought that's what you'd want. Think again. You know, I think that despite ourselves, we just reached a new level of intimacy. And live to tell about it. <laughs> Tom did a little better this time around, but he definitely got to like skirt right by the fact that he too was pressuring Daria. Yeah. Um, not only did Daria let him off the hook, the show itself let him off the hook, and that's pretty disappointing because it makes his behavior look entirely reasonable and responsible when it absolutely was not. Yeah. I mean, his his behavior contributed to her thinking that, you know, this, this was the inevitable outcome, you know, right, that breaking absolutely. up was the inevitable outcome. So, you know, not cool, not cool. Right. And I mean, you know, for we've we've talked a lot in this episode about how you know society has has pushed her into that belief. We didn't necessarily talk about how Tom's behavior has has pushed her into that belief, mm. um, and and it's rooted in that language that we were discussing. That you know, oh, correct me if I'm wrong, but please correct me if I'm wrong. But you said you weren't ready, or something like that. I have you a know, condom all, right here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My parents won't be home for a little while. <laughs> hey. All of that contributes to it, and yeah. you know it, it's. I think you 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 mentioned this earlier. I think, but it's it's ubiquitous. Like, f especially for young women, like it is pretty hard to get away from the pressures of uh, either you know the pressures to have sex early or the pressures to not have sex ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's difficult to get away from any of that, and and every every single thing can factor into it. It's a very complicated subject. It's a very complicated discussion, and I don't know to to kind of absolve Tom of any and all responsibility. Like it's one thing for Daria to not you know point that out because I can I can totally understand why she wouldn't. It's another thing for the show itself to not you know pick up on that whatsoever. Yeah, that that bothers me a bit. Uh, not gonna mm. lie. Yeah, um, yeah. I I do like her conversation. Uh, her part of the conversation about um, not being comfortable with that much intimacy, being scared of that much intimacy. It is very much in line with what we've seen of Daria before. Um, yeah, it it's adds a part to the conversation. Um, in in this scenario that we don't really see in in other um, TV films, I think at least from what I can remember, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that it's it, it's a very valid reason. Like, you know, Daria doesn't want to let her guard down, and once she does, you know, she can't take that back. You know, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So, yeah, man, it's hard to, uh, you know, be a desirable object all the time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, kind of along those lines, it was it was really something to hear Daria stand up for herself and assert that it is a big deal she just told him she was scared. 
Yeah. Like there's there's something I've watched this episode a lot. This is, you know, one of those episodes I've watched probably more than than most of the other ones. And that moment never quite hit as hard for me as it did, you know, watching it for this podcast. Because we spend so much time talking about we've talked about it so much this episode, vulnerability. We spend so much time talking about it. And for some reason, hearing Daria just straight up say, like, no, I just told you I was scared. There's something to that. It's not only, you know, not only acknowledging, hey, I was scared, but also saying, like, look, fuckhead, I, it's a big deal that I said this to you. Yeah. I need you to acknowledge it. And, and, and you know, that he's misinterpreting what she's saying, you know, right. like scared, not ready. You know, it's the same thing. No, no, it's not. Right. <laughs> Hold absolutely. <on> here. <laughs> right. Honest. And 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 if she's scared, like then maybe something needs to be evaluated with that relationship, right? Right. <laughs> not just with Daria as a person, which you know it's important, and she's doing a lot of self evaluation. But you know, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. To, and 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 I guess the the thing that maybe this episode doesn't end up saying directly, but does kind of imply, is it's okay to need time. Like it's okay to need to be able to figure these things out and and to to need to say to your partner like no look you know I'm not I'm just not sure yet you know and and when I'm sure great but for now like I need to figure out what's going to work for me I need to figure out if this is going to be something that I can really do you know yeah not sure if I can deal with parasites in my throat <laughs> <laughs> oh boy there's so many. Oh man, <laughs> that's. Mm. I know, I know, it's total, <laughs> totally bad. But I had to lighten things up. What can I say? Yeah, there's we've we've kind of wavered back and forth <laughs> between <laughs> extremely heavy and not at all heavy conversations in this uh in this episode. All right, let's get to the end of this beat by beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the at the Morgadorfer residence, Jake's on the phone with the sushi restaurant owner. Things go south rapidly, and it looks like the consulting gig is over. With nobody else to vent to, Jake vents to Daria, who points out this is the first time they've spoken in days. <laughs> uh, Jake has an odd little proud parent moment, I guess, before wandering off to see if the parasite laid any eggs in his throat. That's a sentence that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Helen enters to talk to Daria, but is cut off when Daria says she and Tom haven't had sex and don't intend to for a long time. Helen's relieved, but wants Daria to know she's there for her. It's a pleasant and funny exchange, which gets interrupted by Jake's continued panicking over further parasites. We take that panic with us to the credits where the pristine scandal, controversy, and romance plays. Well, there it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's a decent enough note for Helen to end the episode on. You know, We started this episode being kind of iffy on how she was approaching this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think- by episodes end, we we have you know I think we're a little bit more comfortable <laughs> just in general. Yeah, um, I think that you know concerning what I was talking about before, I think that Helen's approach still isn't super effective. Right, um, right. But at least she's not yelling at her for hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to like. Let's hypothesize, you know, does Daria approach Helen <laughs> like before she goes, like picture some 
year or two in the future does a a does a sophomore year in college Daria call her mom to, to have that conversation? Um, I think I I don't know. I think that if yeah. she were home, maybe, but still no. Who knows what Daria will be in college? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As other, it's you know, it's it's different too. Like you know, you get to college is a very different environment from high school, perhaps needless to say. Uh, and the conversation around sex changes significantly yeah. when you get there. I don't know. It, it's it's kind of wild. I don't know. You you and you get to the you, know, you get toward the end of uh, a show's run. You start thinking like, man, I kind I kind of want to see what these folks are going to do after this run, but. You, know, you have I, to be content with the story ending. I absolutely do not. But, <laughs> but I tried. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, for now, we do have we have some episode rankings and we have some fan stuff to get to. Yes, we do. Uh, so why don't we get to our episode rankings? Let's do it. Oh no, the interstitial didn't play. Yay! There we go. Is it going to play twice now? Yep. All right. Yes, it is. <laughs> Woohoo. Okay. Could shut that off. Good. All right. So, you know, we we mentioned right at the top of this episode that Peggy Nickel gave us a really great episode in Fire. And yes. then she also gave us a really problematic episode in Fat Like Me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think there are really great elements of this episode. I think there are a few deeply problematic elements of this episode. Yes. Um, and you bring up a good point about the fact that we are watching this decades later. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, and, my God. And, decades. Uh, Jesus. I know. I know. I, <laughs> uh, and, you know, that you know we're at a different stage of life. We are not the target audience at this yes. point. Um, so, so those are things to keep in mind, I think, but yeah, I do think that this is problematic and drops the ball in some respect. I really don't like how Tom was handled. (laughs) No, no, not at all. But he is a, you know, he is a, a, a tool here, you know, (laughs) <laughs> is he ever not yeah yeah um you know he's he's a a part of the puzzle in order to make daria come to you know the the realizations and growth that she does um, right. but you're right that he is let off the hook to a large extent right there is there is no comeuppance for for his contributions to to Daria having as much trouble as she had. And that's not great, you know? And it's tough because like I like I said, it's like sprinkled in between him actually saying the right things. Yeah. Like, there is there is some good stuff that comes out of him. And uh, oh boy. Um <laughs> and we gotta like we have to you know you have to remember that at the end, you know, he did say like no, I'm not going to break up with you over this. That's ridiculous. Like, I absolutely do not need that out of this relationship to be happy. And they, you know, they stay together. You know, he he was taken aback at the idea of being dumped over this. Like, you know, there there is something to that. I do think there is some some 
praise to be given there. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and I have to say that when we when I first watched that scene with him, um, with him and her talking about you know having sex for the first time, I like I didn't immediately pick up on how pushy he was being. I I saw him you know, criticizing her uh, for being inconsistent, you know, and it, like not mm-hmm. being able to decide, um, which like he has done in the past. Right. Um, right. And, and like that, you know, that's a problem also, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, because that, because that's, you, you know, um, it's sidestepping the issue itself and attacking the person's uh, frame of mind. <laughs> right. I don't know. It, it's like a little bit like gaslighting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I we have we've had conversations similar to this before, where I'll I'll sit there and say like, look. I can understand where Tom is coming from in the frame in the frame of mind of wow you're being very inconsistent right now and that is frustrating. Yes. <laughs> I get that. I get being frustrated with somebody who is who is, you know, bouncing back and forth between options or or just can't seem to like stick to one, you know, one point of view or or one course of action. I get that 100%. But, you know, it's one thing to get like that when someone doesn't know where they want to eat that night. It's another thing to get like that <laughs> about something like, you know, how someone wants to express themselves sexually. I don't know. It, it, it's it's complicated. It's not great. Uh I I don't think it's I don't think it's egregious necessarily, but it's it's definitely not good. <laughs> yeah. Um mm-hmm. you know and, and when I say I don't think it's egregious necessarily, I what I mean is I don't necessarily think it's the kind of thing that, you know, with, with fat like me, we got through the episode and we were like, you know, there are aspects of this that are that are pretty okay. There are aspects of it that are that are problematic. And then we had that, you know, that <laughs> very very late in the game reveal, um, <laughs> and all of a sudden we were like, oh shit, this just fell down the rankings yes. in a major way. I feel like we don't necessarily have that this time around. Uh, no, no. But I also don't know how high this climbs in the rankings. Yeah, I don't think it's. I'm I'm trying to look at these, and it's really hard to compare this episode with the other episodes in you know that mid range that I'm I'm looking at between say like Fire and mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Fat Like Me <laughs> between. Hold on. Between number seven and number forty-one, 41 that mid-range, <laughs> yes, yeah. All right, so I'm going to throw something out there, uh-huh. and you know, if if you know whatever you think of it, we'll 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 talk about it. I'm looking at Sappy Anniversary. Sappy so, Anniversary at number sappy, fifteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a little high. Yeah, for what for what I would expect this episode to come in at. I will say thematically, there are some similarities. I will say, I don't think this episode is better than "Is It Fall Yet." I don't think this epi- I don't think this episode is better than "Happy Anniversary." I don't think it's better than "Is It Fall Yet." "Is It Fall Yet" is number sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, if I said, 
hey, what about number 16? What about number 17? Under Is It Fall Yet Above Lucky Strike? Is that too high for this episode? Should we be looking down toward like psychotherapy, murder she snored? <laughs> Legends of the Mall? <laughs> huh. It's tough because sometimes our rankings are about, hey, what episode would you want to watch again? And Legends of the Mall is like the most rewatchable episode of this show for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think like it's really hard because I think that this episode is creating a good conversation. <laughs> yes. And I think that's what's the most important, right? Right. <laughs> um, it, and it did end on a good note for Daria where she maintains her, you know, sense of, of, of self, you know, and her agency in the matter. Um, and she stays in a loving relationship. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and a relationship that is made deeper and made more intimate by the discussion that uh, by the discussion about not having sex. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I I appreciate that this show with this main character had this episode. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be okay with putting it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think I think where you're looking is a good idea, but like I don't know. Lucky Strike is a weird episode. Speed Lucky Strike is, is a very weird, weird episode. episode, but also like very entertaining. True. I don't I have like an answer. like I get to I get to life in the past lane and I'm like, I think this episode is better than life in the past lane. Uh -huh. um, I just okay. think there's, there's more going on here. It's, it's more entertaining. It has more to say <laughs> just in general. Although along those lines, right above life in the past lane, because apparently we just have like an entire section of the, these rankings that is for season five. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like episodes, uh, basically 10 through 20. It's, it's mostly just episode or season five. I'm looking at one J at a time. Yeah. So one J at a time, we that was a that was a Quinn centric episode, and yes. that was uh, pressure being put on Quinn to have a steady boyfriend, right? To to engage in something other than just serial dating, mm -hmm. um, and it just not necessarily being what she wanted to do, but she was going through it because she felt the pressure to do it. So I think that. Um... Yeah, maybe this is more on on par with that. Um, do you think this is better or not as high up there as Prize Fighters, which is above one J at a time? Mm. Oh man, I know. Man, how did how did Prize Fighters get above one J at a time? God damn! This <laughs> is two weeks ago, and I'm already like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think anywhere in that range of like eighteen to twenty. Or I yeah. should say 19 to 20, because I don't think this episode's better than Speed Trapped. No. Okay. Yeah. So I think that it should get some I I I think I'm comfortable with it being above prize fighters okay. because of the conversation that it starts. <laughs> 
Okay. No, hey, that yes. that works. I I like that. I think that's a I think that's a good point. I think um yeah, look. Our rankings are super professional and well-reasoned. Yes. It says so right at the top. Very this scientific. Is, a, is extremely scientific process. We have lab coats. We put them on specifically for this segment, but really we get kind of arbitrary with it. And, and yes. uh, you know, there are there are certain aspects to where we, you know, we'll we'll weigh things differently sometimes. And, you know, this is in the grand scheme of things, this is not necessarily one of the most important Daria episodes. Like, you know, as far as the overall character of Daria goes. But in terms of what it's trying to say, in terms of, like you're saying, the conversation that it's trying to start, it's pretty up there. Uh, it's, it's, it's like pretty big. Like you said, it is the only episode about sex. Yes. Um, uh, so, I mean, we didn't even bring in the like weirdly weird, weird, weird B-plot of the parasite into this rankings, but, you know. Yeah, I, mm. <laughs> man. I think maybe I'm reading too much into it and they're just having fun with it, <laughs> but oh my God. <laughs> you have no idea how much I hope you are reading too much into it. Yeah. I, I think I am comfortable with it sitting at number 19 above prize fighters okay. under speed trapped. All right. Done so and done. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and put that in right now. Do, 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 do. It's our list. We do what we want. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's my night at Darius at number 19, just under speed trapped, just above prize fighters and <laughs> slotting in with a bunch of other <laughs> season five episodes. 15 through 23, uh, with the exception of number 16 through 18, are all season five episodes. Um, that is interesting. I am deeply curious about where we're going to be going for the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. And with that being said, we do have – we had some really neat fan mail. Um, yeah. Over the course of this week. And we actually – we already have like I think two or three emails that we're going to want to read out. Uh, next episode. So next episode wow. might be pretty lengthy too. Yeah. Um, oh, everybody's kind of <laughs> drop in. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's getting them in under the wire. Uh, it's pretty funny. Got it anyway, right now. We, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, anyway, we got some fast stuff to talk about. So I'm going to hit that interstitial music, hopefully for like the second to last time. And we'll go from there. <laughs> Oh my god! Really? Come on. Mm -hmm. Yes, really. <laughs> at this point, it's at this point, it's practically a bit. So we heard from Steely Dan Rather again, uh, and appropriately enough for this episode. This time, they had something to say about uh, Helen and her abilities as a mother. Hi, Morgan Dorks. It's Steely Dan Rather again. Really like that name. <laughs> it's very good. It's so good. yes. Um, I wanted to share my reading of why Helen and Quinn's character interpretations in One J at a Time worked really well for me. Helen is a bad mom, period. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> she eventually gets it right, but she's usually so wrapped up in her own stuff, aka work, she can't fully that she can't fully commit to it uh, in the moment. 
and she's as aloof and self-involved as Quinn in those times. Here, that's fully on display as she fumbles the initial outreach to Quinn about steady boyfriends and maturity and how she doesn't get that it's a bad idea to sue UNICEF right away. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> oh, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. And that lovely little B plot that you only get like you only get like little sprinklings of. I totally forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> wow. Um, Quinn is deeply insecure and being in a brand new situation where she doesn't want to be is 100% a recipe for turning to all the wrong people for answers and trying too hard. She's more comfortable staying in her lane by dating lots of different boys and having shallow connections to them, and she knows it. Uh, but I see her intellectual growth in trying to take a risk with this boyfriend thing. Her emotional intelligence has yet to catch up with her overall growth in smarts and expression, which is also very normal. I went through similar things as a teen back when I ident identified as a girl. I'm non-binary now, uh, where I felt I had to date because that was the most important thing in the world. But really, I wasn't interested and I wanted to do my own thing. Trying and failing is new for Quinn because making any kind of effort rarely occurred to her before. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, I don't see either Helen or Quinn's characters written badly in this episode. Whether the writers got it right in my mind on purpose or fumbled toward my reading of the situation, I feel that those two are more of a reflection of each other than ever before. What a good point. Yeah. Um, they're both shallow in certain ways, Helen barely trying to parent and Quinn being Quinn. And this episode <laughs> was right on target for that. I hope this makes sense. I'm sad the podca podcast is ending because I've really enjoyed going on this journey with you both. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a really good point. I think that's something that we probably didn't um, touch on at all. And we have touched on before is are the parallels and, you know, the similarities between Helen and Quinn's characters. Yeah. They are so alike. They really are. And, and we don't, yeah, it, it's... It's not the kind of thing that's necessarily like immediately noticeable, you know, because because Helen is seen as, or because Quinn is seen as so aloof and and so shallow um, and uh, and much less about like you know put your head down and work hard and and get it done. Uh, and, right, and but Helen the way is, that she goes about this, uh, you know, finding a boyfriend thing is very businesslike. You know, oh, absolutely, very, very Helen. You know, she sets up a line. She, yeah, <laughs> she has a like an application process. It is extremely Helen. Yeah, that's it's a it's such a fascinating connection, and it makes it interesting too because like if you had to on the very surface of it say which daughter is more like Helen, Daria or Quinn, I think you might. You know, you might be inclined to say Daria just based off the idea of like raw intelligence, right? Like Daria and Helen are both very intelligent people, and and you know, to some extent, their lives have been made harder for it. Uh, but it, it's it's interesting to draw those parallels between Helen and Quinn because we we see them probably much more frequently throughout the course yeah. of the series. You know, I still i 
I, when you asked that question, I thought back to one of the earliest episodes, maybe one of the first episodes where, where Daria and her father are reading the newspaper together at the, at the table and, and we realized just how alike they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I really do think that that's, it still stands, you know, it's, it's still Quinn is like Helen and, and Daria is very much like her dad. Yeah, avoiding a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's very interesting. We're drawing these parallels in the same yeah. episode where Daria and Jake both ran full speed away from sex. Yes, <laughs> but they also are um, not necessarily afraid to plunge into the depths of their psyches, right? I right, mean, right. You know, um, they're both very self-reflective people. So yeah. yeah. They're both very sensitive people. They're, yeah. You know, and there's there's something to that. And uh and both of them have both of them have displayed and I, I really this is true of just about everybody in the show because it's a show and that's how shows go. But um, <laughs> both both Jake and, and Daria have displayed a need to when the chips are down, a need to be emotionally articulate. Or a, a an ability to be emotionally articulate, like when they need to be. Yeah. Um an ability to sit down and have a tough conversation when a tough conversation needs to be had. You know, sometimes it can take a bit to get there. <laughs> Some, sometimes things have to go pretty wrong before it can go right, but it does work out. Uh, and we saw that in this episode. Not necessarily so much for Jake. Like Jake still hasn't talked about sex with Daria. Maybe that's for yeah. the best. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's okay. We can We can leave that one be. Well, but yeah, I I think it's just a bunch of incredible points, really, by Steve yes. and Rather here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. Thank you so much for writing in. Seriously. We'll miss you too. Yes, absolutely. Also, like, we're not dying. Like, yes, no, we're, <laughs> we're um, still here. Yeah, we're still here. We there will probably be episodes of Morgan Dorks, uh, you know, down the line. It's just a matter of figuring out what that looks like and when that happens. And yep. You know what, what they'll be about. And I'm sure, like when Jody finally premieres, there'll be there'll be some episodes to come about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's, we're not going anywhere. We'll still have our Twitter. That's that's probably the best way to interact <laughs> with us at this point. Yes. But anyway, yeah. Thank you so much, Steely Dan. Rather, we super appreciate it. We we love you and absolutely everybody else who who's written in about about all this. And I yay. think yay. Uh, and I think with that. We might be ready to wrap things up. Yes. Speaking of, of sex and responsibility, that about wraps it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. <laughs> Check out our Patreon. Uh, it's only going to be around for like a month more, but you can sign <laughs> up at patreon.com slash Morgan Dorks uh, for a buck a month. Uh, for that month <laughs> yeah for a buck that month you can support this silly little mission listen to an unedited version of each podcast a few days before it airs uh, as always please feel free to reach out to us on twitter at morgandorks email us at morgandorks at gmail.com or check out our website anchor.fm slash morgandorks we're also on facebook fb.me slash morgandorks.podcast or just search for morgandorks special thanks as always to outpost daria reborn link is in the show notes and as always, thank you, Nissa. Thank you, Rob.
Hey, and thank Yay. you, listeners. We will see you again in two weeks for Season 5, Episode 13, the Season 5 finale and last normal episode of the show, Boxing Daria, here on Morgandorks. I didn't wow. hit the outro music soon enough. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> we need to fill a second or two. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, that, 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 that. That. Jesus. We're such dorks. Yeah.